Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. I am so glad you're here, and of course, I say to you, Happy Easter, Happy Easter. Um, I love Easter. Easter is a great time. I love the trappings of Easter. I love the change in weather. I love all the things that go along with Easter. The, the bonnets, the candy, the egg hunts, the uh, seeing family, the seeing family and having to maybe endure overcooked ham, perhaps, uh, seeing family and, and enjoying a great meal, perhaps. Uh, uh, all of the things. One of the other reasons I love Easter is knowing that it is a chance for so many people to come together at church, uh, whether we're in this room or in some other church across our land, and be able to connect with the body of Christ on a Sunday. Uh, The reality is knowing that you could go anywhere and you chose to come here is a fact that is not uh, lost on me. And I can promise you that myself, Doug, Pastor John, Pastor Dave, our staff, our team, we do not take that lightly. So having said that, I I don't want to waste your time today, right? Uh, Chances are you've got today filled with many activities and family gatherings and perhaps even a a hike or a walk or to go do something in another part of our state. Uh, I want to hit this topic head on and I want to hit it fast. The question before us today that we're going to deal with is, what difference does Easter make in our lives today. You see, for many of us, we might be getting, uh, getting up in the morning, we might come to church, we might do the Easter thing because that's what we always do, but I contend with you today that Easter makes all the difference in the world, and it makes a major difference in every person's life who will allow it. It's amazing to me today that on this day, over a billion people will celebrate Easter around the world. I mean, think about it. How is it that something that occurred 2,000 years ago creates traffic jams today in every city, in every suburb, in every small town across America? It absolutely blows my mind. It's an absolutely amazing fact. It goes to show that Easter makes a difference in our world today, but exactly what is that difference that it can make in our lives? You see, today, many people will say, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I just don't understand what it means to me or how it specifically applies to my life. It's thought that 84% of people who never go to church believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Think about that for a second. That's That's an incredible statistic, isn't it? Of more than three quarters of the people who would not consider themselves Christ followers would say they believe that Jesus did really do what he said he did. He did really completely defeat death. Why do they believe that? Because it's a historical fact. It did not happen in secret. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about the resurrection of Jesus, and soon to come the whole Roman Empire would also hear about it as well. It was the news of the day. 
we have today, we know that there are at least 15 different references to Jesus meeting people after he rose from the dead. We have accounts where he touched people with his hands. He talked to people. There was even a time that he cooked breakfast for some of his followers. And it wasn't just encounters that he had with one or two people where we could sit back after 2,000 years and say we're seeing the ravings of one or two mad people or crazy people, but we also know that Jesus had encounters with large groups of people. We have testimony that he met with over 500 people in one room on one occasion. There are a lot of people who saw him and experienced him after he rose from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus was not a fantasy, nor was it a fiction. So what difference does the resurrection make for us in our lives today? That's the million-dollar question. The first thing we have to recognize and see is that Jesus claimed that Jesus is who he claimed to be. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus is declaring about himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Jesus made some incredible claims while on earth. He said things like, I am God, I am perfect, I am the way to heaven and the Father. And today, there are a lot of people that are very comfortable relegating Jesus and recognizing that, oh yes, Jesus, Jesus is, is God, Jesus is a real person, but they, they relegate him to being just a good teacher or maybe a kind do-gooder wishing to spread good vibes to everyone willing to partake. Today, there are people that try to recast Jesus as the woke anarchist who understands what true justice is and is going on a lifelong mission to establish justice. Let me tell you and let me be as crystal clear with you as possible that a good teacher would never claim the things that Jesus claimed unless they were absolutely true. Jesus was either who he said he was, or he was a madman, or a crazy man, or a liar. He said, I am God. And he told his followers, I am going to do something that will validate everything that I've said up to this point. And that's exactly what he did. We also recognize that not only did, is Jesus who he claimed to be, but Jesus shows he has the power that he claimed to have. In John 10, verse 18, Jesus claims, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. No force could keep him in the tomb, ladies and gentlemen. The Romans, they killed Jesus by putting him on a cross and allowing him to die on that cross. Then they put him in a tomb and they put a stone on the opening of that tomb and they put a seal bearing the Roman, the weight of the Roman world on that stone. And then they put a guard in front of the seal. All of those efforts, all of those endeavors to try to keep Jesus in the tomb. But friends, they were simply preventing or attempting to prevent the inevitable. Because Jesus had all the power in the world. He said, they cannot stop me. I can give my life away and I can take it up. So what? So what? 
Jesus is God and he has power. The scriptures clearly contest that fact page after page after page. What is the difference that those two facts make in our lives today? One, an uncontrovertible fact that we can walk away from this room uh, holding in our hands is that we can understand that because of Jesus died on a cross, because of Jesus being put in a tomb, because of Jesus resurrecting from that tomb three days later, we can be convinced and we can be confident that our pasts can be forgiven. And friends, that is good news, whether you realize it or not. Have you ever been halfway through something and just wanting to start it all over again? You know, you know maybe it's uh, redoing your kitchen. You get halfway through the remodeling stage and you're just sitting there going, you know, I'm, I don't like what this project is turning into. I wish we could have started all over. Maybe it's repainting your house and you get two thirds of it done and you just start looking at it and go, ah, I don't like the color. How many of you uh, husbands here, you're two thirds of the way painting uh, your house and your wife says, I don't like what this is looking like right now. And you just know what's about to happen, right? You know, the reality is people feel that way about life, don't we? We get halfway through life and just wish we could start over. We, we wish that maybe some things would have fallen a little bit differently. We wish to make some different choices. We wish that uh, maybe we hadn't done some things that we did. Maybe we wish we hadn't said some things that we said to our loved ones. Maybe we wish we hadn't thought some things that we have thought. The reality is that every person in this room, every person watching this stream today, uh, we all have regrets. We all have great regrets. We feel bad and we feel guilt. We try to hide it. Some of us, we try to just slide past it, don't we? We just try to act like it's not there. Perhaps we ignore it, but the reality is it is there. Uh, fellow pastor that I'm friends with uh, from a different community, he shared with me a story of uh, a person he was dealing with, and, and this person wrote him a letter that was very profound, and the pastor shared this letter with me. And this letter says, I'm, a third, I'm 31 years old and divorced. I fought the divorce bitterly, but here I am. I have no hope for my future. I go home and cry, but there is no one there to cry to. Nobody cares, nothing changes, and I keep on failing. I'm stressed out, and I'm about to collapse. Something is very broken inside of me. I feel like I am going to have to sit out the rest of my life in a penalty box. The tragedy is that there are a lot of people that can relate to this letter, and I would assume there are a lot of people within the hearing of my voice right now that could say, yep, that's, that's what I'm feeling too, Pastor Tony. They cannot live life because they are stuck in the past. Some of us here, we cannot live our life because we are stuck in the past. Something has tied us down, and there, because of that, there's no way to live. Here is the good news for you, friend. Jesus has forgiven all of our sins and canceled every record of debt that we owe. 
Christ has done away with it all by nailing it to the cross. This is God's way of forgiving you. Jesus has paid for all of our guilt. That means I don't have to pay for it myself. He was hung for my hang-ups. Jesus was nailed to the cross so that we can quit nailing ourselves to our own personal crosses of guilt and shame. He wants to forgive your past. And that is good news. Because Jesus rose from the dead, my past and your past can be forgiven, and we no longer have to carry that kind of guilt around. That is the difference that Easter makes today. But that's only one thing that Easter does. We also see that my present problems can be managed. Just as our past can be dealt with, our present problems can be managed as well. Let's face it. Much of life is unmanageable, friends. Every parent here can identify with that, can't we? I heard about an author and a speaker. His name was Charlie Shedd. I don't know, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But he once was writing about parenthood, and he said, that, he said, before we had kids, I used to travel across the country giving a lecture titled, The Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. Imagine that. You'd want to go to that, wouldn't you? This man's claiming he knows the secret to raising perfect children. After, he said, after my wife and I had our first child, we changed it, the title to, of this lecture, to Ten Hints for Parents. He says, after our second kid, we relabeled the lecture to a few tentative suggestions for fellow strugglers. And then he writes, and after the arrival of our third child, which is our first daughter, we just gave up the whole process and started reading other people's books. What does that say to us? Well, one thing it says is maturity. I know that I'm a maturing person when I realize that I don't and won't have it all figured out right? Maturity is figuring out you cannot manage all of that life will send your way. You can't, but God can. And that is good news. Since I cannot control everything in life, but God can, then I want to connect myself to him and let let him control me. And I need to ask for his help, his guidance, and his wisdom every day. I get the opportunity to visit with many people every month, and a common thread in most people's situations and most people's statements when we visit is they'll say something like this, my life is out of control. Or perhaps they might say a phrase something like, I feel powerless in life. I have no hope to get out of debt. I have no control in this relationship I'm in. My children are doing things and saying things and believing things, and there is no way that I can influence them. You see, those are the, those are the common threads there. And each time I hear these statements, I do the very best I can as a pastor to point to the reality that each of us, we need a power greater than ourselves to deal with our situations, to deal with our current struggles. We were never meant to live this life under our own power or our own authority. God wants to have a relationship with you and grant his power and his authority to your life and to your situation. 
You see, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, the, the Apostle Paul, he writes, how incredibly great is his power to help those who believe him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that enabled Jesus to rise from death will enable you to rise above your problems. In this past year, a clear, a clear lesson that I hope we've all learned is that we don't know what the future holds. You don't know, and neither do I. I do not know what will unfold for us next year, next month, or even next week in the reality. But you know what? It does not matter. Even though tomorrow is totally out of my control and totally out of your control, it is not out of God's control and he will give you and I all the power that we need to face it. Paul writes, in, and he shares in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he shares this with the church. He says, I am ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. In this passage of Scripture, God is saying, I want to help no matter how hopeless your situation is. Some of you emotionally came in here today crawling because you're so beaten down and you're so defeated in life and a problem is weighing on you so heavily. You've had a tough week. You've had a tough month. Some of us have had a tough past year. And God is saying to you today, do not, do not, do not give up. No problem is too big for him, friends. No situation that you can face is hopeless if God is with you. Why does the resurrection matter? Because my past can be forgiven, because my present can be managed, and because my future can be secured. Here is the hard reality we all have in our lives. Everyone dies. I will die someday and so will you. Only a fool would live in such a way that their whole life is spent without ever preparing for their future and imminent death. And the reality is also people do not like to talk about death. And that's something I know you all know that, but if you did not, then try this. Invite your friends over, serve them some dessert and a nice beverage, and sit down around a table and say, hey, all, let's, let's just talk about death right now. Let's have a conversation about that. See what happens after that. See if your friends ever come back to your home again. Even though we don't like to talk about it, it's real, and we need to really deal with it. We'll, the fact is we'll be spending a whole lot more time on the other side of eternity rather than on this side. Let that impact you for a minute, right? I mean, as much focus that we spend today taking care of life in the here and now, just think that these mere few years that we spend on this side, on planet Earth, think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of years on the other side of eternity. So a normal question we should be asking is, what's going to happen after I die? That is a good question that a lot of different people have tried to answer. From my understanding, as we look at what Jesus taught his disciples, he teaches, a clearly, he teaches clearly that one day all humans will stand before God. 
and that God will judge each person's life. The bad news is that no human being will be found innocent of rebellion and sedition to the rule of God in their lives. And at this point, God is entitled to push all of us from his presence. Jesus describes this pushing from his presence as living, existing in outer darkness. He uses the term Gehenna. He talks about it being like a trash pit that is continually burning with fire. He describes it as a place of eternal sorrow, uh, of loneliness, of just always feeling uh, miserable. We commonly think of this and will define this existence, this place, uh, this state of being as the place known as hell. The good news is that Jesus provides us another option from being declared guilty and being pushed from God's presence. He declares it in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says, this is the way to have eternal life. By knowing the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one he sent to earth. Today, know this clearly, friends. Jesus has provided a way for your entrance into heaven. And this makes all the difference in our lives. You see, the reality is a Christ follower is not a person who is a religious person. A Christ follower is a person that has a relationship with God. Lots of people try different approaches to get into heaven. Some go for salvation through sincerity. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you really believe it. Think that one through. I could grab a glass of clear liquid and sincerely believe that it's water. I take a drink and discover that I have drank a toxic solution of strychnine. Even though I was sincere in drinking my water, I will still be found sincerely dead a few hours later. Some think you go to heaven through service. I do all these good activities and work my way there. Friend, that does not work. Some will attempt salvation by subtraction. If I give up a bunch of things, God will take notice and let you into heaven. You know the saying, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss or chew or run around with girls who do, right? Some believe if I just practice that, then we'll be okay. Uh, then there are people who they think that they'll go to heaven by ritual. If I get baptized, if I join a church, if I take communion every time it's offered, then I'll write with God. Friend, the reality is this. You could sit in a baptismal until you're a giant prune, and it doesn't change your eternal destination. How about salvation through heritage, right? This is the one that says, oh, my mom, my mom's a believer. My dad was a deacon. My uh, my." Uh, grandfather was a preacher. Surely, surely God will take care of me because of my heritage. To that I say, so what? So what? You have to make a personal decision for yourself. Perhaps the most insidious and the darkest of these types of salvations is salvation by comparison. This is the thing that, you know, I'm better than so-and-so. You, and, and here's the reality. Probably every person in this room, you're probably better than a lot of other people that are in your life. Uh, I imagine many people today are here are better than I am, the, rea the reality. But the fact is, God is not judging you compared to me and my righteousness. Saying that I am better than Hitler is like saying that I can bench press more than my great-grandmother. 
God does not grade on a curve, friend. Jesus made it clear. How can we experience life in heaven? 1 Peter 1.3, we have been born again into a life of hope through Christ rising from the dead. Note the word hope. If you have a copy of scriptures and you take notes, circle or highlight the word hope. That is a powerful word. That means the word hope means that you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear hell any longer. How can you not be afraid to die? By making peace with God now and finding your hope in Jesus. Would you like to have every sin you've ever committed completely forgiven? To have a clear conscience? Would you like to acquire a new power that helps you manage the problems in this present world? Would you like to have a future that is secure and full of hope? That is the difference that Easter makes in our lives. And I recognize there are so many people in this room scattered around. The majority of us would testify and say, yeah, that's me, Tony. That's exactly what I've done, and that's what I've experienced in this life, that Easter does make a difference in my life. But for those of us who, maybe you're just, you're just here exploring, or maybe you're tuning into us uh, through our streaming service, and you're just, just trying to experience, you know, just wondering, what is the next thing I need to do if I wish to pursue this faith that makes a difference? The, the very first step is to pray and to say to God, God, I am scrapping my plans. I know I can never be good enough. So I'm asking you to work your plan into my life. Jesus, I want to trust you, follow you, get to know you, and have a relationship with you. Friends in this room right now, would you bow with me as we conclude our time together and we think and think with me how this message, how this talk applies to our lives. As we're out as we're just preparing ourselves. I want you to know, I believe every person is here today because of divine leadership. In other words, you're not here by accident. Uh, You're here for a reason. I believe that reason is so that he can communicate to you, to get you to sit still for a few minutes, to tell you some deep truths. Here is what I believe God wants to say to you today. And hear this, maybe there's some people in this room that just desperately, this is the only message they need to hear. And that is God is saying, you matter to me. God's saying, I understand everything about your life. I know you, I made you, and you matter to me. Some of you have been close to God in the past, but you have been drifting away. God is saying to you today to come back. What does God say to someone in this situation? He says with deep love, I welcome you back. No one will ever love you as much as God in heaven, friends. Some of you may not be for certain if you have a place in heaven when you die. Maybe right now you should pray something like this. Jesus, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. And if I'm not, I'm asking you to save me today. I want to put my trust in you, and I want to follow you. Thank you for dying for me, and help me to understand it more. Some of you have not found a church home, perhaps. Hear this clearly. Northbridge would love to be your spiritual home and family. We welcome you here. This is a place of imperfect people 
we come together because we believe that Jesus works within us and he is calling us to be a people who stand in the gap for others so that they might know the living Jesus. Some folks today are barely hanging on. You're discouraged, you're depressed, you're despondent. The pressure has been building for some time. You feel so overwhelmed and so undervalued. I think God brought you here so he could say, give it all to me. Let go and allow me to work in your life. Today, will you say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to give you my problems. I want to give you my life. Fill me today with hope and your presence and your power in Jesus' name. There are several prayers there that perhaps, perhaps many people in this room need one or multiple of those prayers. I invite you to make those today to God and hear this. He is listening. His Holy Spirit is in this room and has the ability to connect to each person on an individual basis. And so I would invite you just to connect to your Father, connect to God right now. In just a moment, the band will start singing. I'll invite you to stand to your feet. And you might use that time to continue to pray, or you might need to talk to someone. Pastor John is on one side of the room. I'll be in the very back. You could grab one of us during this time or grab one of us after service. But the point is, Easter makes all the difference in the world, and I hope it makes a difference in your life. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts and our lives in this moment. These things we pray in your Son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.